<laughs> we uh so glad that you're with us to worship today. Um, I am, uh, I've got uh, sinus stuff in a major way right now, so please forgive me uh, in that. If I fall over, it might be because my equilibrium is off because I can't hear out of one ear, so it's always lovely uh, when you're in those kind of moments in life. Uh, but uh, uh, anyway, uh, I'm excited about getting to share through this passage, although it's just absolutely owning me. Uh, in, I don't know, 10 different ways from Sunday, and uh, maybe it'll do that to you, maybe it won't. Uh, that song we just sang, uh, probably the most perfect song I can think of uh, for uh, this time, for today. Um, These are hard times. Um, I plan on getting up here and doing this. I'm sorry. Just, uh, just a lot going on with a lot of people. And uh, you can't help but not hurt for others, you know, and, uh, and the world as a whole. And I just, I feel, I've felt that this week more than I've felt it in a long time. So that song just got me. So we're going to pretend like we didn't sing it, and we're going to move on. Um, oh, man. Um, I want to, uh, uh, to try to get through this. I want to congratulate uh, Ben and Megan uh, on the birth of their little girl, Slater. Uh, and, yeah, they are not here today because uh, they are at the hospital with her and uh, my understanding is Megan is doing well and all those kinds of things too, which is awesome. So uh, just super glad for them and she's super cute and all the things. So uh, just so grateful uh, for them uh, and uh, their, their ministry here. And thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so excited for them. Uh, so excited for our students who've been at camp this week. Uh, they, uh, they came back uh, Friday and uh, we had three students that I know of. There may have been others or something. I know God's kind of working on uh, the different ones in different ways, and that's that's kind of how He does this. And um, sorry, and uh, and uh, but uh, we've had uh, that I know of. We had three students uh, that received Christ as their Savior this week. So that's pretty awesome. So, pretty grateful for that. Um, man, let's, uh, let's jump into this. First uh, John chapter 2 is where we're going today. First John chapter 2. And uh, in, in this passage, short passage, we're studying three verses today. Uh, and in these three verses, uh, we have uh, a huge command. Uh, a command that starts with, do not love. Uh, you know, I, when, when in Scripture would you think that you would see a command that tells you to not love? Uh, but it's very specific uh, in, in the command itself. Um, and, uh, and, it's, and it, you know, to not love is not something that we expect to hear from Scripture. But specifically when we see it worded the way that it is, then it makes more sense. Uh, and then it's kind of broken down uh, with some extras uh, to kind of help us to understand it and to help guard us. Uh, there's a warning that follows it um, and all those things. And so I, I want to try uh, 
to get through that this morning and share that with it, with you and, uh, and us uh, look at this together. Uh, why don't we take a second and pray together. God, we ask that you would just speak through your word, and uh, we're thankful. Uh, we're thankful for your son. We're thankful for your grace. God, we're thankful, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for instruction. We're thankful for warnings. We're thankful for even commands, God, because we know that you love us, we know that you care for us, and that you want the best for us, and that you're trying to protect us. And so, Father, I just pray, uh, even this morning, God, that you would just lead us and guide us through your word, and uh, Lord, make us the people you want us to be, uh, to be in this world, uh, as crazy as it may seem at times. Lord, you've called us to it, and God, I pray that we would be faithful in following you in it. Uh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for all these things. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. Uh, this passage, 1 John 2, verse 15, let's just read it right here. It says this, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So we start off with this command, do not love the world uh, or the things that are in the world. And, and so then, you know, it kind of goes on from there. You know, this particular command is, is something that I think we all can kind of come around. It's something that we understand. We understand uh, first of all, that this is a this is a different take, and when when you really just get are getting literal with the wording and and that kind of thing. I mean, all through Scripture we see we see God loves the world. <laughs> so then he's saying he's saying not to love the world. What you know? How how does that work? Well, different meanings. Uh, God loves the God does love the world, and He loves His creation, and He created His creation loving it. And at the same time, there are things that are in the world that are of the world that are not from God. And those are the things that we're being warned about here and the world itself, uh, you know, and, and this understanding that, you know, even, uh, even the, the way that love is looked at here, you know, it's a different kind of love here. It's not the, it's not the same kind of love that we're called to, you know, give to one another. We're called to love God. And, and, and that's really the premise of this, of this whole statement and of this little section right here is that God wants us to understand that if we're loving the world, then we're not loving him. And if we're not loving him, we're missing huge pieces of what life is supposed to be for us. Huge pieces. Verse 15, it says this. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world, if anyone loves the world, the, Father, uh, the love of the Father is not in him. We have, the, we have the command, and the command is followed by a warning. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So, you know, for us, I think, you know, an important thing to ask is what, you know, what's it look like when we love the world? What, you know, what, is, what does that picture look like? Well, he kind of, he kind of, 
you know, goes a little further with that uh, in the next verse. But, but I, th- I think for us to just go ahead and be asking the question, because I think it's different for different people. You know, we all have different struggles. We all have different things that catch our attention. We have different things that we tend to love too much or worship or, you know, uh, you know those, those kinds of things. And so, you know, and, 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 and different ones of us tick different ways. Uh, you know, and, and so with that being said, I think to kind of come around the understanding, you know, that we know from Scripture that no one can serve two masters, you know, is, is, a, great, is a great piece of information, a reminder here uh, for us. You know, it, here, here's the truth. God doesn't want us to not enjoy things in this world. He just doesn't want us to put those things before him, you know, and, and he does this for our own sake. You know, we, we know this. We, we spent all that time last year in the Idol Factory series. If you uh, walked with us through, through that series, and it's, it's up there if you want to go check it out or whatever. But, uh, you know, the, the basic of that series is an understanding uh, that, you know, we make good things God things, you know. Like we take things that really there's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with us enjoying them. There's nothing wrong with us liking them. But when we turn them into gods in our lives, then there's a big miss at that point for us. Because at that point, we, we've, we've, made, we've made that thing an idol. We've made that thing something that we worship. We've made it more important than it is. And the truth is, is that God knows that the things of this world cannot be Him. And that we need Him. I, I, need, I need the Lord. I need Jesus. I need the gospel as much today as I did the day that I received him between my 8th grade and ninth grade years as a kid. I need the gospel. We need the gospel. We need Jesus. And this idea of us turning good things into God things is something that we have to, we have to guard ourselves against. And it is so hard in this day and age. It is so hard in this day and age. And, and the understanding that the, th- that the things that the world itself and the things of this world cannot give us what we need is really kind of a root of the purpose of this statement, of this command. It's, it's, it's John. It's God using John to pen this, that we would have it so that we wouldn't get too caught up here and miss God himself working in our lives and leading us and giving us what we need, things like joy and peace and all these things that we're all guilty of looking for in other places and other ways. Verse 16, it goes on. It says... For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So here we have, we have some clarity of these things that are not from God. And, and, and again, this is, this is a warning. This is John just saying, hey, you're, I'm warning you. Don't fall into these things. Don't fall into this stuff. You know, you know, first of all, there's three things that he's mentioned there. For all that, it says, verse 16, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life. There's three things right there. The desires of the flesh really kind of comes back to a, a, the cravings of sinful man. 
you know, the, this idea that, you know, we crave things. And, and we, live in, we live in a day and age where if you crave something, you should be able to have it, right? You know, and, and I mean, this I mean, literally is where gluttony and so many things come from. And I'm, I'm convicted over uh, many pieces of this entire thing. Uh, but that can definitely be one of them is, you know, that we just, we just get the craving for something. We're like, you know, we, 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 we deserve that. You know, we kind of got a little running joke with a couple of the guys here. John Taylor's one of them. Uh, I'll call him out from the back. Uh, where just at random, we'll say, you know what we need right now? Ice cream cake. Ice cream cake. <laughs> this, started, this, started, this started several years ago. <laughs> and we were, having a, we were having a block party for our neighborhood, like a, a ministry opportunity where this sin was born, I guess, you know. And so, uh, and, we, and we're, sitting, we're sitting in my driveway doing this thing for our neighbors. And, you know, and all of a sudden we're like, you know, it'd be real nice right now, an ice cream cake. And we're like, we deserve it. Let's go get it. <laughs> so we, we, we went, we bought an ice cream cake. I don't know, it's just become something silly. But, you know, the, the, the idea, you know, that we do, we just, we, just, we just go get whatever we want now, you know. And there's nothing wrong with ice cream cake. God loves ice cream cake, right? You know? I think for us to kind of recognize that those cravings, usually in our lives, uh, they can, they can manifest, manifest themselves in things like food, but they manifest themselves in all sorts of ways, all sorts of cravings that we have that turn, in, turn into what we see even as addiction, you know, uh, and an addiction to all kinds of things, and, you know, and, and, and that, that comes out in all sorts of ways, you know. It gets to the point where, you know, we, we feel like we've got to constantly do this thing maybe it's got to go shopping got to look for the next deal or you know whatever it may be but that's what he's talking about here and it says it's not from the father it's pursuing our own means it's being self-sufficient it's not needing god it's trying to it's it's instead of seeking the lord it's just seeking happiness in in a in a in a thing through an action right and then, then he goes, secondly, he goes into, it says after this, says, uh, we'll go back to reading the beginning of verse 16, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes. This second one here, they seem very similar and they kind of feel that way. Uh, but there's really, it's really kind of two takes on what could be different things in our lives. And, and this is really lust of the eyes. This can be sexual lust. This can be lusting after anything that catches the eye. You know, this, this, is, this really is like through the eyes, like, you know, talking, talking and that, you know, where the other was a craving, this is like something that happens through our eyes. And our eyes aren't sinful, but we, as man, we are sinful, okay? And so, you know, we, we see stuff and all of a sudden, like, I want that, you know, or, I, you know, oh, I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking about that in a way I shouldn't be thinking about that or whatever it is. And so, you know, we see, when we see this from the very beginning of time, First of all, with Eve, you know, she saw the tree and it was a delight to her eyes, right? And then, and then you see like David and Bathsheba. Remember us going through uh, the, the series on David, you know, even last year. You know, Dave, David saw Bathsheba bathing in the tub on the rooftop. And he was not thinking, you know, good things. 
I mean, same, same deal. It's, it's lust of the eyes, and, but, it, but it, leads to, it leads to and comes from an issue with our sinful hearts. Law sees it as the beauty, the, I'm sorry, the love of beauty divorced from goodness. The love of beauty divorced from goodness. It's, again, it's, it's, taking, it's taking something good and turning it into something that it shouldn't be in our hearts, right? A stumbling block, lust of the eyes. And then, and then the third one here, I'll go back to verse 16, says, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Pride of life. Pride of life is here, you know, this idea of boasting of what one has or what one does. And, and you know, and I, I feel like, I, you know, I've, I've even been a little convicted just over, you know, reading this and just the sense of like sometimes it's, it's just fun to, you know, play around of like, oh yeah, well I'm really good at that, you know, I'm the best or, you know, whatever. I mean, we all do that kind of stuff. But deep in our hearts, that's where, you know, where is, where is our ego? Is our ego in a place that's not good? Are we trusting in ourselves to be, you know, our own God at, at, at some point because we have gotten so good at something in this world or because of the things that we have, our materialism, you know, uh, you know is it, uh, you know, because we live for the American dream? You know, what, what is it? And I got a Tozer quote, and boy, boy, it's going to tear, tear you up. I'm just going to tell you, because it, it's tearing. Maybe it won't tear you up. It's, it, it tore me up when I read it. Uh, A.W. Tozer, he, 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 he wrote this in The Pursuit of God. It says this, and just barely it's a little lengthy quote. He says, There is within the human heart a tough, fibrous root of fallen life whose nature is to possess, always to possess. It covets things with a deep and fierce passion, the pronouns my and mine look innocent enough in print, but their contact and universal use is significant. They express the real nature of the old Adamic man better than a thousand volumes of theology could do. They are verbal symptoms of our dip disease. The roots of our hearts have grown down into things and we dare not pull up one rootlet lest we die. Things have become necessary to us. Thing, I'm going to read that again. Things have become necessary to us. A development never originally intended. God's gifts now take the place of God and the whole course of nature is upset by the monstrous substitution these things they draw us in all all you know any one of the three i mean yes the materialism stuff for sure but any one of the three they draw us in they seduce us seduce us like a moth to a flame remember remember the 80s i know some of you don't remember the 80s but for those of us that remember the 80s one of the greatest things the 80s that i loved as a kid Bug zappers. 
I love a bug zapper. I still love, I own a bug zapper, you know, and, and, you know, it is, it is crazy to watch. Like I'm talking about like the, before PETA got, you know, their hands into bug zappers or whoever did, because let's just face it, we don't see bug zappers like we used to, you know, they're going quietly off into the dark somehow with some other type of, you know, thing. But like the old bug zappers, like they're these big things and they're, you know, hooked up to like a 220, you know, volt, you know, something or another. And like a bug just, you know, comes to a light and all of a sudden it hits this grid and it just, I mean, just fries it. And if you're, I mean, if you're sitting there in the, in the nighttime watching this, oh man, it's a show, right? It's a show. I mean, just absolutely destroys whatever, whatever bug touches this thing, you know? And I mean, you're just like, wow, look at that, you know? And then there's a little bit of a smell and you're, you're kind of, and, and you're kind of like, yeah, right? Not getting me. Not that one. But it's, it's, it's a reminder for us. It's destructive. These things are destructive. They draw, you know, and, and they are not bad things, you know? But when they become our gods, they're bad enough that John is writing this thing clearly from the Lord to warn us, don't fall into this. Not only don't fall into this, but it's not from the Father, he says. It is from the world. Watch out. Watch out with the boasting. Watch out with the materialism. Watch out with these different things that's so easy for us to fall into. This, this, this thought that we have to have, you know, I, 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 listen, nobody, nobody beats me at getting a good deal. I will always get the better deal. I promise you. i got a shop full of stuff to show you, okay, to prove it, you know. But it can be a problem, you know. And, and I, you know, I, I see in my life just, just, you know, and I thought about this yesterday. Like, you know, social media now is not just social media. It's my new Craigslist, Right? It's, it's like, it's all I can, it's like, oh, what? Oh, there's 40 new things in groups for sale that I haven't seen. You know, yeah, oh, it's not 40 things, it's actually more like 4,000. Well, let me spend the next hour and a half scrolling, you know, to see what I really need that I didn't know was out there for sale. Right? I needed deodorant this morning. That's what I needed. I'm just saying, you know. I, I, I didn't need the amplifier in Atlanta that I almost bought yesterday, okay? I didn't need that. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. We see Jesus combat this. You, you remember? You remember what Jesus went through? You remember Jesus in the wilderness? Jesus, Satan's there. There's three temptations. You remember that? It's these three things. Jesus has offered these three things. If you don't remember, Matthew 4, verse 1. I'm going to go ahead and read through it. Let's just check it out. It says this, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, so he's hungry, he was hungry. 
And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So there's number one. There's the craving, right? There's the craving. So we see desire of the flesh. Then it goes on. It says, Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on, his, on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him again, It is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And here we see a desire, what would have been a desire for Jesus, you know, to have proven something here, you know, and he's like, no, homie, don't play that. Verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to him, all these things, uh, all, all these I will give, to, give you if you will fall down and worship me. I mean, this sounds great. I mean, it sounds like, okay, Jesus got the way out, you know, here we go. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. And that last one, I, you know, I remember as a kid reading that last one and thinking to myself, Gosh, I mean, Jesus could have just like, you know, just done it all right there, right? Satan would have just, you know, I mean, would he? Yeah. Don't know. Could Jesus cast him out? Sure, he could, yeah. You know, but was that the plan? No, it was not the plan. And in fact, the second that Jesus would have worshipped him, uh-uh, you can't do that. He couldn't do that. It would like turn everything on its head that we know as far as who God is. And God can't do that because he is always the same. As much as like it sounds great, you know, and as much as like I, you know, I would have loved Jesus to, and I've said this before, to have like showed up and like, you know, been like every '80s cartoon, you know, hero character where they got like laser beams and stuff to like, you know, just wipe out all the bad people. You know, that would have been awesome. But that's not who Jesus is, and that's not what he came to do. He came to give his perfect life on a cross that through that we could have redemption, that we could know who he is, that we could have a relationship with God. He says, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. I bet, you know, and I always wonder, like, what part, I'd love to ask Jesus about this one someday, you know, like, what part of you, Jesus, in that moment you know, really just thought, you know, because again, fully God, fully man, you know, what, what part of the man part of you in that moment thought, you know, here's an opportunity to like show Satan my power and just do, do it, you know, my way. But see, that's not how, that's not even how Jesus operated. Jesus comes and over and over what we see here is we see him pointing back to the Father. He comes with humility. He comes with humility to the point that like whenever he's questioned about who he is and what he's doing and why he's doing it and they start to praise him, what does he do? 
he's like, he's like, dude, dude that just hit the home run, who uh, hopefully loves Jesus when he's coming across home plate. He's like, he's like, the Lord, the Lord, you know what I mean? He's like, he's given credit. He's like, nope. And he says clearly over and over and over throughout Scripture, the Father has sent me. I'm here to do the will of the Father. And he is our example, right? He's our example. And this passage in James, this passage in James is perfect. I mean, it just fits like a glove with this. Well, I brought up the glove thing again, but, you know, we just talked about OJ last week, but here we go. This has nothing to do with that, okay? <laughs> James chapter 4. James chapter 4, and I, want to, I just want to read through this. I'm not going to talk a whole lot about it because it's the, the, the Word of God speaks for itself as you read through it sometimes, and it's doing that, it's doing that to me uh, with this passage to, to couple with the other. It says this, James 4, verse 1. It says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire... And do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. To spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the Scripture says he yearns, he yearns jealousy over the Spirit that, has made, that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Man, we put ourselves in a mess sometimes, don't we? Think about, think about like uh, situations that people, and I counsel a lot of people in lots of different situations, but uh, you think about situations that we just in general put ourselves in sometimes to have more or to have better or whatever it is, you know, those kinds of things. And that really hit home uh, about two weeks ago. In my side business, I, I'm, I'm really blessed to like have, uh, just get to know so many people. And because of the nature of some of the custom work that we do for people, uh, I mean, literally people from all around the world. This week alone, I think I have, and this, I'm not trying to boast here, uh, just for an example, I, I have emailed with people helping them with parts and things uh, from um, Australia, uh, France, uh, Israel. That was a first. 
Uh, I mean, you just name it. And then, then, then just people all over the U.S. or whatever. It's just kind of crazy. And uh, some of these people, I mean, like anything and like any business probably, you end up having some people that you work with a lot or you get to know. And so, you know, you end up getting to be close with some of them. And so there's probably, there's a good handful of folks that I, I really consider, I really consider them close friends. Some of them actually call for counseling. You know, some of them are not believers and they call for counseling, which I, I consider a huge honor to get to speak into their lives and, and share with them even, you know, things from Scripture and, you know, how I approach things as a believer and, you know, what, what the Lord, how, you know, how he would see that or how he would speak into that, what Scripture speaks, speaks, speaks into that. Uh, one of them, a good friend of mine, his name was Scott, uh, took his life a couple weeks ago and uh, was not... Not an easy day um, for me when I found that out. But I think what's been even harder to find out has been over just the past week why we think that he probably did that. And it really comes down to money. It really comes down to, I think that he really wanted to be seen as like a mover and a shaker in that, in that world to the point that he had just like sacrificed a ton of things, gotten himself, from what I understand, into some crazy, crazy debts, had, was owing a lot of money. Uh, you know, in the midst of all this, apparently his relationship with his spouse, uh, you know, had fallen apart. They were getting a divorce. Um, I just saw them last summer. They just came through here last summer. <sighs> And I'm just reminded, you know, of that statement of sin will take you farther than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay. And it's just so real, you know, but we don't see it for what it is at times. And John here is being used by the Lord to warn us. I got to tell you today, I'm grateful for the warning. I feel like I need it. I don't know about you, but I feel like I need it. William Greenwell wrote a book called Stop Loving the World, based around this passage. And uh, uh, this is a book from a long time ago, talking like 1600s, long time ago. And the headings in the book, I want to read you the headings in the book. And really, I'm reading you the headings because I think that they're great for self-assessment. Uh, and Danny Aiken shared this uh, in his book uh, that is a commentary on John. And, uh, and, 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 he, and he had done this, and I just felt like it was, it was perfect. But here are the headings from the book, and, and, it, and it reads like this. It sa- the first one says this. It says, To love the world is to highly esteem it, holding it in a high account. Number two, we love the world when our thoughts are fixed on the world. Number three, men are said to love the world when they desire the world. Number four, love for the world is found in setting the heart on the things of the world. Number five, we are said to love the world when we employ most of our strength in on and about the things of the world. Number six, we are said to love the world when we watch 
all opportunities and occasions to get the things of the world, to buy cheap and sell high, to get great estates, houses, lands, and things of that nature. Number seven, we love the world when we endure great hardships for it. Number eight, men love the world when they favor the world the most. Number nine, a man loves the world when he mourns and laments for the things of the world that are taken from him. Number 10, we are said to love the world when we are resolved to be rich and we'll, and we'll have the world one way or another. Say, okay, Chris, why did you read all that? I read all of it. I'll tell you one reason why. So I felt like it was worthy of my time to share it so that anybody that needs to go back and re-listen to this at some point with your micro church, by yourself, whatever, if you really want a great self-assessment, take those same statements and replace the beginning of them with do I, such as do I love the world and will endure great hardships for it? It just helps us to see our hearts because i got to be honest with you, I think one of the things that's important in, in self-examination of the heart, which Paul talks about through Scripture, is that we should pray and ask God to expose the things in us that maybe we love too much. Things about the world that are in our lives that we are allowing to enslave us to it. I'm convicted. I'm convicted. I think we. I think at some level we all struggle with some of these. You know, I mean, it's just, just part of it. It's our sinful nature. It's what leads us to it. But it also helps us to understand that loving the world gets in the way of loving God, and that's really that's really what John's trying to help us to see here. Loving the world gets in the way of loving God, and it's meaningless as the world is passing away. God is forever. Our relationship with Him is forever. What He's done for us is forever. The things of this world are not forever. The things that we think are so important at times are not forever. And they're getting in the way of the gifts that we have forever. Love God not the world. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the clarity of your word. God, I thank you that you long to protect us from ourselves and from the world and from these things that we think are so important. God, I just, I just pray that you would lead us, God, to know how to steward the things that you've given us. God, I pray that we would be mindful of, of the reason and why you've called us to even give. Is Really, Lord, just for us to be able to continually check our hearts and not want to keep it all. God, we're bad about it. We know it. God, help us. Help us, Lord, to be cheerful givers. Lord, not just of money, of our time. Lord, of just however you want to use us in the lives of others. Uh, Lord, in our service to you. Lord, we spend so much time serving the world. 
and have found ourselves so busy for it. God, help us to not miss you. Help us to take heed the, the truth of your word and the things that you're calling us to today. Lord, to be the people of God that you've called us to be, to be light into the dark world. God, what a blessing to get to be a part of what you, you want to do in the world, Lord. You've asked to use us as a part of that. Lord, you didn't have to do that. Lord, you did it. God, thank you. Thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Or for anyone that's never trusted him as their Savior. God, I pray that today would be the day that, God, they would just say, you know what? It's time that I take that step forward. It's time that I trust and have faith. God, speak to their hearts. Lead them to you. Save them today. God, may they come pray with someone now or after the service, whatever, Lord. God, just use this moment in their lives. Thank you for your son. We ask all this in his name. Amen.